We sit glued to the TV set all night And every night Why go into the outside world at all? It's such a fright We got nothing better to do Than watch TV and have a couple of... Welcome to TV Times 3, episode 201. On this episode, we've got some news, and then we'll be talking about uh, Sleepy Hollow, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Brooklyn Nine-Nine, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Scandal, and The Good Wife, uh, plus some TV on DVD picks. Uh, you can find the full show notes with start times for each segment at tvtimes3.com slash 201. I'm Jason the TVaholic from tvaholic.com, and this week I have joining me... Hi, I'm uh, Daniel Walters. I'm the uh, sporadic TV critic for the uh, Inlander, the Alt Weekly in Spokane, Washington. And this is Kyle Nolan from NoReruns.net. Well, thank you both for uh, joining me. Thanks for having us. No problem. There's a an interesting uh, bit of scheduling. With the, there's a handful of people that I have on periodically that uh, can only record on the weekends, and uh, but. For some reason, none of them could all record on the same Sunday. <laughs> so, so thanks for Kyle for stepping in to uh, uh, to record on a Sunday. No problem. Yeah, we're glad to be your backup. <laughs> your second choices. Over the- <laughs> well, no, Daniel, you were you were a first choice because oh, I was trying oh. to I was trying to okay. schedule. I was going through everybody that was recording on Sundays, asking if they could record on this Sunday. Sure. And, uh, and you said yes, and then the next one was like, no, I can't do this Sunday. And then the next one was like, no, I can't do this Sunday. And then, But now I ended up, I'm going to be recording on like three different Sundays so that I can... <laughs> I'm always the backup, the, the on-call backup. Uh... Yeah, Kyle was Although... actually, yeah, Kyle was actually scheduled for the following week, and I was like, uh, Kyle, could you move to Sunday this week? Because I'm having a little <laughs> trouble finding a second person for a Sunday. All right. So first up, let's uh, a little bit of news. Fox recently uh, delayed the premiere of Almost Human. It's now going to premiere on uh, Sunday, November 17th, and then the second episode will play on Monday, November 18th in its regular uh, time slot, uh, Mondays, uh, moving forward. And what do you think of that move, like, so uh, sort of late in the game, Daniel? Well, yeah, I mean, I haven't haven't followed this this particular... um premiere but i just don't know how i'm I'm really not sure how the tv model seems to be changing so much that i'm not sure how much scheduling or kind of weird scheduling changes how much that really impacts things anymore like i'm beginning to like i i I think a lot of uh the the tv networks are attempting to they're still attempting to use scheduling and hoping like really clever scheduling moves will save network television (laughs) but uh, i i think that's less and less going to be the case um Fortunately, it means we see less, you know, fewer situations like Firefly, where you know they're just or Arrested Development, where you know, a uh, a TV network's really abusive with the scheduling. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I just think that if if a show becomes a hit, then it becomes a hit, and um, you know, if it's up against Big Bang Theory, it won't become a hit. But other than that, you yeah. know, the the particulars maybe aren't quite as important. You know, you can't create a hit just by a great lead-in like you used to be able to. People have too much entertain, too many entertainment options for that uh, to really be a possibility now. What do you think, Kyle? Uh, I actually didn't even remember when it was uh, <laughs> when it was going to premiere, and then I saw people complaining that it got pushed out. To me, like since it hasn't really premiered yet, I don't think it's as big of a deal as if like they aired one episode and then took a bunch of weeks off, a la like Parks and Recreation. Yeah. But uh, 
it, it like to me, I, I don't think it's a big deal. I think it's a little weird doing the whole Sunday Monday thing because that's just going to confuse people, especially if they like miss the Sunday airing and then all of a sudden like join in halfway through like the two hour premiere. It's probably going to be a bit confusing, but. Uh, we'll see. Maybe they'll pull in like a football crowd. Who knows? Well, that's the that's the thing that they're they're going for is that there'll be a, a late game that week with the that they're hoping will have a larger audience that they're going to play. You know, they're going to start the episode like right after. Uh, so, uh, and and then they've they've been advertising it throughout the World Series. Uh, but what it just was funny to me that the whole idea of like doing the two-night premiere and trying to create in a little bit of an event about it and putting it after a, f- a, a football game that's uh, likely to get a large audience, uh, being able to advertise it. Well, they were already going to be able to advertise it throughout the World Series, but the World Series and then through some of these football games, that idea all makes sense to me. What doesn't make sense to me is why they cha- they they were advertising it as starting on November 4th up until the day before like the World Series was going to start, pretty much. And then they finally were like, well, if we're actually going to do this change, we need to do it now. <laughs> and uh, so, like, I think on the Sunday, like last Sunday, I think they were still advertising it as, you know, coming on the 4th, and then they changed it. Uh, and it's just one of those things that you just go, why wasn't this a good idea, like, four weeks ago, you know, <laughs> or three weeks ago? And, and I don't even know if, if it's – I mean the thing is is that football has and sports in general have been shown to be very bad at actually promoting yeah, television yeah, shows yeah. because the audience – there's like you'll draw a great audience for like the Super Bowl or for certain sports programs. But that's not an audience. That's a specialized audience. People that watch sports like to watch, watch sports and you know, it, I, I just don't think there's a lot of evidence that shows that – the yeah. sports ends up really transforming hits into hits. Yeah. Well, all you got to do is look at something, uh, you know, like putting a show on after the Super Bowl. Right. It gets, you know, the Super Bowl gets 100 million people watching it. The show afterwards gets a rating of, you know, somewhere between 20, 25 million people watching it. And then the next episode that airs gets the exact same amount of, that it was getting before. Right. You know, like <laughs> El- Elementary last year was, you know, doing 10 to 12 million viewers or whatever. And then... It did like twenty something million after the Super Bowl, and then the next episode did maybe a little bit more. But after a couple of weeks, it was it was right back to doing you know it's ten to twelve million, and uh, so it's 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 funny. It seems like a good idea, you know, <laughs> but all evidence seems to point to these things don't work. It's the sort of the same as uh, you know NBC is going to try and launch things. In, during the Winter Olympics, like they, you know, like they tried to do with the Summer Olympics, and that didn't work for anything. You know, it's like uh, every show that premiered during the Olympics got a big number for that premiere episode, but then when it finally did premiere, nobody tuned in. Yeah. Uh, so I don't, I, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's just funny. I think you're right. The uh, the networks are still scrambling, thinking that uh, maybe this uh, move will help you know, save, save our network or whatever. But, uh, I mean, I like the first episode and I'm interested to see where the show goes. So I hope maybe it does, maybe it helps out. I don't know. The only thing I can figure is it must not have been tracking very well with the advertising that they were doing, uh, that, uh, it wasn't, uh, as 
as Kyle said, he didn't even realize <laughs> like, that was much of a change. <laughs> well, I also don't even watch any sports, so if they're advertising it during... <laughs> I know I'm a bad New Englander not watching the World Series, but uh, I, I haven't seen any ads for it. Bad Kyle, bad Kyle. <laughs> okay, so uh, move on. Uh, some other, A couple other Fox uh, notes. Uh, Fox picked up dads for the entire season. And uh, and then decided to uh, cut uh, Surviving Jack, one of their mid-season comedies, to eight episodes, which uh, seems to be the thing going uh, for Fox. I don't know why, but most of the shows that I liked from them <laughs> seem to be getting their episodes cut. Or <laughs> and then Dad somehow gets an entire season, yeah. despite <laughs> dismal dismal ratings. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a strange uh, it's a, it's a strange bit of things. I mean. Surviving Jack wasn't necessarily one of my favorites from Fox, but you know, as compared to uh, some of the other stuff here, so that one's kind of interesting. Uh, and then you know, they moved Enlisted, which is I, which I really liked, uh, to start in January, which means likely it's only going to get, you know, it's thirteen episodes. It's not going to get right. uh, a back nine. So, so uh, pretty much most of the guys, other than Brooklyn Nine Nine, you know. Uh, that yeah. that looked to have some sort of uh, you know something to them that had potential. Uh, they all seem to be getting their episodes cut. And I think Brooklyn Nine Nine is probably being hurt by Dad, so it's really sad. That's why <laughs> yeah. sad. Like like not only is Dad's a, a like a an apparently terrible show that draws a lot of like pretty much universal scorn from everyone but Seth MacFarlane and his mom. The uh, like you know, Brooklyn Nine Nine, I think is a really good show, and it's it's just I think it actually is being hurt by that association, that block. I wish they would just swap the order and start with Brooklyn Nine Nine, and then let Dad's be the eight thirty show because, like, it kills it. Like, if pe- people won't tune in if they're already watching another eight o'clock hour long show, then they're just going to skip Brooklyn Nine Nine. Right. Yeah, it'd be it'd be interesting to see if that would if if that switch would uh, help it out. But also, I just think that. Enlisted would be a much better fit <laughs> with Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a it has it has a similar sort of a wacky comedy feel to it that uh, uh, that you know would go together. Uh, also a you know a more you know maybe a little more male centric show than uh, uh, than than dads. Yeah. Well, no, I mean <laughs> than. than uh, I mean, what I meant is that it'll still fit in with that sort of male-centric, like that first hour is sort of a more male, you know, hour, and then they have the more female-centric comedies in the second right. hour on Tuesday, and so it would still fit with that idea, uh, but yet I think it would be in, in the type of comedy that it is. I think it would fit better uh, together than Dad's does, and uh, but you know, it'll give. Uh, TV critics and stuff, something to write about for the next. <laughs> You'll get those uh, check-in pieces at at mid-season or at the end of the season. That yep, this show's still terrible. You know. All right, and uh, next, uh, Lifetime has renewed uh, Drop Dead Diva for a sixth season, which uh, I I like because I like that show. But uh, I just think that that's funny. They they canceled it, then bring it back, and then like. With no, with like you know, just like yeah, we're gonna bring it back again. Just, just you know, it's, I don't know why we ever canceled it in the first place. And then uh, Showtime has renewed uh, Homeland for a fourth season and uh, Masters of Sex for a second season. 
uh, which is, you know, you're pretty much go- going to keep those going. Uh, Homeland being the one that, uh, <laughs> at the rate this season's going, <laughs> what the heck are they going to be doing in a fourth season? Uh, again, other than keeping uh, uh, TV critics <laughs> and bloggers in business uh, with something to write about. Well, that's why that's why they keep need to keep renewing it though, because <laughs> it's like it's one of the few Showtime shows that actually, you know, is, is still drawing yeah. praise <laughs> for a network that used to be pretty, uh, you know, well respected. Yeah, well, right now, Masters of Sex was the show that's getting all the praise, and right. Homeland's the show that was like. Man, this was really good, but what have you guys done to one of my favorite shows? <laughs> well, they need to kill off a certain character, <laughs> which they haven't been willing to do, and then it could get back to being uh, decent. Which is, uh, yeah, it's always it's always hard to kill off a character in, in any show, which is why, you know, it's rare that the characters that need to be killed off are, are killed off in television shows, and so it's not surprising that apparently Homeland is, is having trouble with that. <laughs> continually and then uh, lastly uh, USA Network has renewed Suits for, for a fourth season which is uh, which is which is good uh, like that show as well and uh, with that we'll move on to the uh, primetime segment uh, the first show up on the list is uh, Sleepy Hollow which has uh, been off uh, for a couple weeks now uh, due to uh, Major League Baseball and uh, World Series it'll be back on November 4th which was when Almost Human was going to premiere, but uh, it's coming back with the following Bones once again for a couple of weeks. So we've got five episodes so far. What do you think of uh, Sleepy Hollow, Daniel? I um, <laughs> It's a show that is absolutely, you know, it's absolutely ridiculous and absurd. <laughs> um, but it's in a way, like, it takes itself, like, so... I mean, there's a lot of there's, there's obviously a lot of jokes and the sense of humor, but it takes itself so seriously. Like it doesn't, you know, you actually it actually feels like the show actually believes in itself, um, which you can see a lot of. You can see a similar show where there's a lot of like winking or just it's really dark, but it has a good it has a good mix of of chemistry. And it has you know it has decent cast members. It has some you know fun special effects and moody sequences. I don't know. It does a lot of things right that few other shows do, which is getting some of the basic things right that allows us to basically forget the absurdity. What about you, Kyle? Yeah, I think I, I like the absurdity and also how they mix in some humor like this past week with the razor and the plastic package. Although I still don't understand why he bought a razor in the first place if he had no intention of shaving. But that's another story. <laughs> Unless he never got the plastic open and that's what yeah. he gave up. <laughs> I think that's the like that's gonna be the serial the season long arc. The plastic <laughs> is the uh big bad, the plastic clamshell packaging. <laughs> Although they can't really change his look because the if he looked like a normal person, it wouldn't – you wouldn't get that fish-out-of-water type of feeling. Like all of a sudden he was like a like a modernly dressed and looking person. So I think they got to keep that. But, but, but um, going – yeah, going forward in this show, though, I think there's an inherent problem that the villains are – you know, we have a villain that's literally headless <laughs> <laughs> that like – that kind of shows how – you know, I mean he doesn't have much personality. Um, in the way that, like the you know the iconic villains you think of television shows past, these these big serial long villains are played by people um, as opposed to headless horsemen. Um, and so, the, I think you have a problem going forward when you're you're battling this essentially this evil supernatural force 
as opposed to battling someone with personality and wit. Um, and so well, I, I think that handicaps the show a little bit. Don't they have three other horsemen though that they can they can pull in? Maybe they don't. Maybe some of them have heads, so they can well, give them. There's more the people. other horsemen, and then there's yeah. the you know the the whatever the the big evil is that's behind everything and stuff like that. Yeah. But but yet none of those are like embodied by uh you know a a sort of human looking uh person that you might get in you know <laughs> that there might ever be like a conversation between you know with uh, you need somebody to banter and have monologues and that kind of thing i mean they they could always take over another body like they had um <laughs> Like in this past weeks, I had the little kid who they they had to try to spread the virus to everyone. Sure. But like in the first episode or the second episode, they had um I can't uh, John Cho John Cho who yeah. like besides the fact that his head was <laughs> flipped over, but I yeah. mean if they had kept Just him around, he he yeah. could have been another person to to be the face of the evil, and they could do more of that. And having the um, they had the uh, those those uh, the Hessians was it the Hessians they had like in one of the previous episodes that were like these human characters. Um, and that's I think that's a good sign for the show going forward. But I don't know. I think it needs there's, there's the the chemistry between the two main cast members is great. They need they need more characters that are as interesting or compelling as you know the two leads because I mean that that'll keep it going for a while. But it needs to it needs to take the step that Fringe did in its uh, second season. Like, I kind of hope that Sleepy Hollow does that as well. Yeah, I, I did like that they, instead of extending the first season, they picked it up for a second season. So it should be just the 13 episodes. It's, we shouldn't get to the point where they're just trying to pad the season out with, with extra stuff. Right. So I'm, I'm hoping that helps it. They can finish out the 13 and then really start to think about the second season. Yeah, it gives them a little more, you know, it's, it's almost more of, uh, you know, the uh you know the fx show where you get you know 13 episodes every year and uh i like the idea of that for certain shows i think for something like this that has you can tell a tight compact you know arc of story uh in 13 episodes there there ends up being no uh well there is going to be some gaps in uh in the time frame just because it, it gets a couple weeks off for uh for baseball and then it's going to get a couple weeks off for the holidays and stuff like that. And so the, the 13 episodes is going to play out over a sort of a, a little bit more extended period of time. But, uh, I like that idea of, of that, you know, where it ends, they'll come back and be able to, you know, have plenty of time to plan out another 13 episodes. Uh, I think, I think that could work really well for the show. It was the one show that I watched the pilot of and went, um, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> like I had like, I had like, I had like no opinion, like either way. Like I didn't think it was bad, but I didn't think it was good. And I, I was like, it, it really, it really was one where you need to see some more episodes to see where they were going to go with it. And that they decided to take themselves seriously in the midst of all this wackiness uh, but not, I guess not overly so, you know, yeah. like, uh, but I think, I think that that works for the show. And so it's become just like fun, just from <laughs> just like, what kind of wacky thing are they going to do uh, this week? Uh, the thing that does get uh, weird is 
I guess it depends on the the time frame on which they tell this story. Like, how much time will have passed by the end of thirteen episodes? Uh, you know, where will you be in? Uh, because once you start getting, if you know, where your time frame is that months and months have gone by, then it starts to be more and more ridiculous that he's still wearing the same clothes and <laughs> and things like that. And so I guess if they keep it on. I guess it hasn't really been that long, you know, that he's that since he uh, appeared. So it it, it doesn't uh, quite start to be quite as ridiculous. Although they did have the line in the last episode, I think, where she was like, <laughs> "A change of clothes wouldn't hurt." You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, one thing I did like in this last episode was they even had like some of the coworkers at the whatever the FBI or whatever they work for start to suspect like why is this guy suddenly part of all these investigations and they start looking into his his past and see if he's really who he said he was, which is what you would expect to happen. Like all of a sudden some random person comes in that isn't part of the police and all of a sudden they're part of every case. You wouldn't expect a, a detective to not think that there was something weird happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad that they at least put that in. <laughs> the fact that, you know, Sleepy Hollow is the best new drama of the season, I think, says a lot about both. The, 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 it's hilarious that they got, you know, that they were able to actually succeed with such a ridiculous premise, but also says a lot about the season itself. I mean, this is just not <laughs> the best slate that we, you know, we've had. There's nothing really <laughs> worth rooting for. Um, other than this show, which is uh, ludicrous. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, we'll move on to uh, the next show on the list, which is also uh, one of those uh, new shows this season. Uh, Marvel's uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, season 1, Episode 5, Girl in the Flower Dress, is the uh, the last episode that's aired. Um, this is uh, an interesting one uh, in that we've been talking... For whatever reason, even though it hasn't necessarily deserved it, other than maybe the first episode, of the three episodes of the podcast since the show has started airing, we've talked about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on this podcast. And I was thinking, yeah, that's probably enough of it until this last episode, which I think actually turns out to be its best episode thus far that did some things that I think that the show needed to do, which was... They expanded out some of what this other group is that, you know, that can be sort of the big bad, you know, the the rival to S.H.I.E.L.D. and, you know, more of what they're trying to do. And, uh, you know, you got also a person with a with some sort of an ability, which also ramps things up for uh, uh, you found out about Sky and what her real deal was, which gave some actual character development, you know, to some of these, uh, to some of the characters. And so, uh, I think it's, I think it was a really good episode. And so when, uh, Daniel mentioned it as one of the shows that he was interested in talking about this week, I was like, all right, we'll talk about it again. <laughs> because I think it finally uh, did some of those uh, things. What do you think, uh, Daniel? No, I, I did not think it was a very good episode. <laughs> so you're on the other side. Of, yeah, no, of I, uh, I, yeah, no, I, I think there's a lot, there's a lot of just inherent problems to the show. I, I, I think they need to do more with with some of these case of the weeks or super villains of the week. They need to spend more time coming up with interesting premises. I mean, I think if you compare the the, the premises or the stories for the 
for the for the super villains or the super powered creatures to like the average episode of something like Alphas, I, I, I think you'll see that despite having a much lower budget, Alpha does did a lot of a lot more interesting things. Even like even like heroes, I mean, a lot more interesting things with these characters that have these abilities. Um, so I, I think that like this guy wants to be recognized for his gifts, and then ends up becoming powerful and being used by the evil corporation. I mean, that's not that's an old story. Um, and so I think that Shield, the Agents of Shield, needs to figure out ways to re revitalize or come up with with interesting or more creative stories to tell within these episode arcs. And I think that the premise. I think that if you look at Joss Whedon's other work, if this was anything, if this was something that Joss Whedon came up with, you know, just uh, if this hadn't had a connection to the Marvel properties, Shield would be the villain. I mean, there's like you know, I mean, he's he's definitely known for creating these you know these powerful corporations and making them the villain. Um, and so I think it struggles with: Are we supposed to be rooting for this organization that's you know? It's surveilling everyone and you know trying to control the world and oppressing things and keeping things secret. I don't think that naturally works well within the, within the skill set of the talent involved. Yeah, because you kind of have uh, things like uh, wasn't it the the in like season four of Buffy that was yeah the initiative <laughs> yeah so you know something like that yeah. Uh, so, well, yeah. they always seem to eventually join them because then in Angel they had the other law firm and then they eventually joined. Yeah. yeah, but they ended up taking it over and it was yeah. kind of this yeah. moral dilemma. Um, but here, like, I don't know. I mean, like, there's this person who's supposed to be an, like, an ideologue that's really against everything that she'll stand for and then she joins them. But like, but wait, they're nice guys. <laughs> I, I mean, that isn't like does, – would that really – with anyone who has like a strong ideology would like – Joining a group and finding out that they're like they're decent blokes would that really, you know, change your ideology? I yeah, I just I, I don't really know if um, I just don't I, I just don't find like rooting for this um, this corporation that like to clean up these messes around the globe. It, it kind of feels problematic. See, see, I don't mind rooting for Shield. I I do find problems with her with Sky suddenly. Like if she was just in Rising Tide for the money, it would be a different thing. Yeah. But it like the whole group is not about money. It's all about like some ideology. And all of a sudden now she's just going to change her beliefs. It's a little weird. Well, I don't Which, think that she's necessarily. I wouldn't say that she's necessarily changed her beliefs in that. That she, you know, she did believe some of those. I wouldn't necessarily necessarily say that she believes everything that Rising Tide was for, but that she was, but that you find out that she was part of Rising Tide and wanted to get into Shield because that's the only connection that she has to finding out where she came from, right? And uh, and so I think now that she's got, you know, that she's gotten in and she's you know, seeing some things from the other side, I think that has the ability to change your perspective a little bit. But I think you also see that, you know, she was none too happy with the guy who had started doing things for the money. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I don't know that she's necessarily totally changed her uh, ideology. I think that some things that she's seen has caused some change. And then also, uh, but I just thought that it worked on a level that it gave something you know, bigger to these characters that they haven't done a whole lot of development with in right. in five episodes. Yeah, I, I definitely liked that part of this episode. As far as the villain of the week, that wasn't 
terribly interesting. But yeah, the um, the rest of the stuff with getting more about her backstory and about the centipede stuff, like that was interesting. Yeah. And I'm not saying by the, by any stretch that it was like a great episode. Saying that it, I think it was the best so far doesn't necessarily <laughs> isn't necessarily <laughs> high praise. In that, from the other than I liked the first episode. You know, there there was a lot of fun about the start of right. you know setting up this thing, uh, this this universe. But I think they sort of, you know. The next couple episodes, I still say, you know, like the episode where they end up in the jungle and there's the firefight and there's a chase back to the all this stuff. I it just felt like an episode of the A Team. Yeah, you know that's that's what I you know, and you're just like, uh, we need you need to be doing something more than reminding me of you know of something you know from the eighties, right? Uh, and uh, so. I think they've sort of squandered some of what they set up in the in the first episode and some of the subsequent episodes. And so, in the previous episode, you know, in the previous podcast where we've talked about it, I've been saying I want to know what is the rivalry, where is the you know, what is the bigger story? Are we going to get more of that? So that when they finally did give us some of that, that really made this. <laughs> that's what made this episode for me is because you actually did get some more of that bigger story. I just hope that they don't, uh, you know, squander that now and go back to a couple more weeks of episodes where Coulson has some big connection to the the bad guy of the week. Yeah. Mostly I'm kind of curious. I mean, we, if you've seen the, the trailer for the new Captain America movie, it obviously poises Captain America's, like, uh, you know, liberty-loving against the... the um, omnipresent oppression of S.H.I.E.L.D. And so I'm wondering if, if that's going to be like an inherent tension going forward, if that's going to be something they fold into the um, the narrative. I mean, I'm wondering if, if, if so far it feels more like that the, the Marvel Universe is, is constricting the story of, for where it can go um, as opposed to really liberating it or bringing it to interesting places. Yeah, I don't know. It's a... Uh... It's still, I think, definitely an interesting, you know, idea of this whole. I mean, it was it was interesting enough of attaching all these different Marvel movies to the same greater movie universe, yeah. Uh, and then attaching a TV show uh, to that is, you know, an interesting idea. Uh, so much so that, you know, when you hear talk of shows on the other side on DC, or or movies and stuff like that. People seem to expect that, like any idea that comes out, that it must be connected to every other thing, you know, type, yeah. type of thing. Just because Marvel did it and it's worked, right? That uh, you but must, it hasn't. You must yeah. do that now. I don't think the ratings are particularly impressive for the show. I mean, they, they they dropped pretty heavily, and yeah, I don't know how well it's worked or how well it continue to work. Yeah, I I think hopefully, like other Joss Whedon shows, that uh, you know. Buffy wasn't exactly great in the first season. Dollhouse turned into something interesting in it in, in its second season. Uh, you know, I think uh, on the whole, you know, uh, you know, Angel had something to it just because it was already, uh, you know, it was spinning sure. off of something that had been around for a while. But even uh, it didn't have a very strong first. Yeah, season. and uh, but I think you know something like 
Firefly, I think, is like the one thing that was like interesting from the beginning. You know, that had things that yeah that worked story wise, and so I'm kind of interested just to see like where this goes as they continue to build. If they start to figure some things out of where they, you know, maybe have gone wrong, and uh, you know, need to change directions or add some other elements, and uh, granted, it, I'm mean, not that there's a whole lot else on. Well, there's a lot of other stuff on on Tuesday nights, but not that it's still the one show on Tuesday night that I'm. There's still some sort of interest there where it's like the first thing I want to watch, not necessarily because it's the best thing, just because it has the most I don't know sort of interest uh, with me right now. Just hoping that it turns into something <laughs> you know really sure. good. And uh, with that, we'll move on to uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, season one, episode six, Halloween, uh, which uh, sadly is not doing all that great in the ratings, but I think is one of the would put it right there at the top of the of all new comedies uh, that we've gotten this uh, this season. Yeah, I think it's competitive for all comedies currently airing too. I mean, yeah. I think it's <laughs> it's. I mean, this is. I think it's it's pretty impressive, especially in the first season when comedies tend to struggle. I mean, there's a few problems with it, but it's a it's a pretty funny show. Yeah, same same here. I definitely throw it, throw it at the top. Uh, I I look forward to this every week. This show. And there's it, yeah, and I've been impressed with like the creativity of the jokes because you know if you watch enough sick, enough sitcoms, you can sort of predict roughly what the jokes are going to be, what the jokes are going to be around. But they uh, they end up having some really creative um, lines like the. Uh, the uh, it's all wart line where they showed his foot and it was, it was like where's the wart oh it's all wart um, I like that yeah I think they've done a good job of making it also be an ensemble yeah and that yeah I think that it wouldn't work if Andy Samberg was the lead and you've yeah. got and you got a I mean I like Andy Samberg I think you know I'm not one of the the people that. Uh, you know, there's plenty of people out there that can't even watch it just be, even though he's only like a small part of the show, yeah. uh, which is too bad. But, uh, you know, so I like him, but he could he can be, you know, too much. And, you know, watching the first episode when it uh, you know, when the pilot began, you were like, oh, man, is this just going to be like, a, you know, an SNL sketch that's got that goes on too long? And then, you know, by the second half of the episode, you're like, OK. I think there might be actually, uh, you know, something more to this. And then in the subsequent episodes, it's definitely turned into, uh, you know, more of an ensemble. And I think Andy Samberg and, uh, oh, why am I? I'm totally blanking. Andre Brower. Yeah, Andre Brower. <laughs> I think those two playing off of each other are hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, especially this week with their with their bet and just how absurd and ridiculous like uh Andy Sandberg's characters plots were coming like throwing pigeons into the air conditioning yeah. vent and things like that and like the straight face way Andre Brower asked him so are you just shoving pigeons in the air <laughs> like so perfect the yeah. way that those two play off each other i think it just works great yeah and what did you think i saw some people that didn't like that Andy Samberg's character came out on top in the bet. What did you What did you think of uh, of that? I, th 
I thought it was perfect. I I like I loved the whole reveal of like what really happened and how they he pulled in everyone to help him out. And like the whole thing was a now all their work was going to get done. How he tried to give him the Braveheart speech and that didn't work. Yeah. And then, and then he like he got the captain to do all their work as well. So I think it worked out really well. I think it was something that was actually necessary for the character. Because one of my one of my complaints was that you need to to to, to justify this character working there with being so obnoxious and you know. Know, difficult to, to manage. He has to be great at his job, and mostly they told me this job. But here they're actually showing, like, they actually showed some of his cleverness and you know some of his scheming ability and some of the the reasons why this guy was actually um, you know worth uh, <laughs> worth not firing in a sense. Yeah, that he's a, he's a, he has intelligence and he'd get one over on the chief as well. Well, I think it it worked on that level in that you know you needed to show uh, you know a little bit more of why he's one of the top detectives in that uh, division. But I think it also worked on the level that the only way he was able to get one over on the captain was he had to figure out a way to get the rest of the group in on it. Right. And he couldn't, it ended up that he couldn't do it on his own, but by bribing the rest of them to work with them as a team that it, it showed that. And so I think that while, you know, the captain sort of loses, the captain's also been preaching that to work as a team, you know, <laughs> that uh, that everybody needs to to work more as a team, and so I think on that level it, it worked as well. Well, that's the lesson too of the actual show, right? I mean, that like it works better as an ensemble than if just Andy <laughs> yeah. Sanders. So I think it's, it's there's sort of almost meta commentary there that you know the show would not work if it didn't have a, a great ensemble, especially at like. I've been really impressed with how hilarious Terry Crews' character is. <laughs> yeah, as sort of the you know the the big tough guy, but also yeah. the sort of the so, big old softy. Yeah, the big old softy, and <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that's had a little trouble with his uh, you know anger issues, anger issues, and over and and hit, firing his weapon, <laughs> right. killing mannequins and yes, pinatas and various things. Uh, right. That. I, yeah, I think that character has worked really well too. Uh, I, I hope we get to start seeing a, a little bit more. You know, you get to learn a little bit more about some of these other characters. Like I liked in this episode of 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 Terry Crews' character trying to find out about the other one of the female detectives. You know, trying to find out more about her, <laughs> and uh, and so that you know that worked. Uh, I also like the you know the one late, you know female detective that's always. Uh, you know, she she doesn't really play well with others either, but in a different way than Andy Samberg's character. Right. Uh, that her sort of, uh, you know, sort of coming around by the end, uh, you know, for the one, uh, you know, the one detective that's sort of the, he just like follows Andy Samberg wherever. <laughs> you know, sure. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, coming around. So they had sort of the get together and the party there at the end. uh I thought all of that type of stuff, you know, worked, you know, character wise. And then the episode itself was just funny. And then, as you said, worked well with the where you they show you the reveal of what all these wacky things Andy Samberg were doing actually ended up being, you know, part of an overall scheme. <laughs> well, except for the pigeons, that was just a red herring. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, overall, yeah, I mean. This is by the same people that do The Office, right? Or did The Office. 
like Mike Scherer. I think it's uh, yeah, I same. think so. I think yeah. so. I I mean, it definitely has that that feeling. Like back when The Office was really great with the ensemble, they knew how to make work all the cast together and, and do that. And they're definitely doing it right on this uh, on this show. Definitely. Yeah, and I think they've they've found it rather early. You know, they're not still. You're, you're not you're not watching an episodes. Uh, you know, like Daniel said, he would put it up there with, you know, not just new comedies, but with the, you know, comedies that have been on a while that they figured out what's worked early on and it's sort of gelled together as a cast pretty quickly. Uh, So, you know, I think that's a a good sign as well, because sometimes comedies, you can, you can see that there's something there, you know, sort of like uh, Parks and Rec, but yet it's just not working. You're like... (laughs) But they're, you're but you're sitting there going, man, with the people behind this and the people on the show, how, how can they not, you know, figure out, uh, you know, what to do with these people? And, and you know, sometimes comedies take a little bit of time, but this one's really found itself quite quickly. And with that, we'll move on to the next show on the list, which is It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, season 9, Episode 8, uh, Flowers for Charlie, um, which uh, I don't watch a lot of. It's always sunny. Uh, apparently, Kyle, you don't watch watch it all that often either. Nope. <laughs> uh, but it was on uh, Daniel's list of shows that he was interested in talking about, and I saw that this was the episode that was uh, written by uh, the Game of Thrones writers, uh, which is I thought was interesting on that you know a whole different group coming in and writing you know that are fans of a show you know as. <laughs> that write something completely different coming in and writing right. an episode of the show and uh professional fan fiction basically yeah that's, that's, <laughs> that's what so daniel as somebody that watches the show uh, more regularly uh what did you think of the episode well one of the interesting things about this season of always sunny is that this episode and the pilot episode both kind of hinged on a on a reveal at the end kind of a twist at the end because the first episode of the season you had this thing where um Supposedly, Dee Reynolds was suddenly becoming really successful in comedy, and you know she was getting all these crowds and was going to go on Conan and, and perform on Conan. And then it turned out to be all be a ruse, and so it was just her friends like building her up to tear her down again. <laughs> and so it's this, this like incredibly elaborate ruse. And so like it was so before that that ending of that pilot, of that first episode of the season. Um, I mean, I mean, during the episode, it was like okay, this is a, a fairly funny episode. And then when it turned out that it was all just like one big, you know, one big scheme, it, it turned into a whole different level. And I didn't catch that. Maybe it shows my lack of intelligence because I don't speak Mandarin. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't catch that that um, that he wasn't actually smarter. I thought he was smarter. Um, I was a little surprised they didn't like show him doing more smart things. Like it seemed like they were kind of limiting what smart things he was doing. And so I was a little – I was going to cr- critique that like, oh, they should have showed him, you know solving you know really complex problems and you know just really that realization that sort of thing but the, the, <laughs> that it was actually turned out to be a placebo all along and you know didn't end up making him smarter just more arrogant i thought was it <laughs> <laughs> was a beautiful twist because a lot of other shows including um you know the simpsons have done flowers for algernon um stories where this a dumb character becomes incredibly smart and loses that again um, and, it, and it kind of upsets the whole dynamic of the show. And I thought it, it did a decent job with that. Um, 
I didn't like the other plots where they're all just sniffing gasoline. That didn't feel weird. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't feel that it felt like they understood Charlie's character, but that didn't it didn't feel like they really understood the, the other characters because like they didn't seem like they would just like sit around and sniff gasoline the entire time. Maybe Mac would, but it, well, yeah, it it seemed like a really f- long way to go to get a pass pass the gas you know, pass gas joke in. You yeah, know? Like, <laughs> I mean that was yeah. That was, so that was, I thought that was a weak part, but I did like the, the kind of the twist at the end. <laughs> and just hearing him lecture on, you know, etymologies and, you know, <laughs> reading War and Peace, listening to Beethoven and the other coffee shop. And <laughs> I just realized that I have two ears, so yeah. I should listen to two things at once. <laughs> yeah, I, d- I don't normally watch this show. I've only seen two episodes, both of which are at... Uh, Comic Con panels, <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay. um, but I, I also fell for the whole thing. I didn't know that that was going to be a placebo at the end. Um, but it, the thing that seemed weird to me was that, like Charlie was supposed to be the the idiot of the group, yet they were all like complete idiots, like uh, sniffing this gasoline and stuff. So yeah. it just seemed weird. And the other thing that was really odd was the same night right after this. They aired a Flowers for Taco episode of of uh, the, League? the League, which basically he stopped smoking pot and he became this really smart guy. So oh. it's like the same night you do two parodies. Like it's just a very odd thing to do on on FXX. There, maybe it was like a theme night, like how NBC used to like like do like the oh we're having four weddings for our sitcom block. They're all going to be weddings or a funeral, you know that kind of thing. Uh, so maybe it was like a network note that <laughs> had them do the exact same plot um, at the same time. Well, at, that would have been actually would have been a really good idea if they could have found like repeat episodes of old comedies to play like leading up to them <laughs> that, yeah. that had done a similar storyline. <laughs> that that would have been uh, that have been good. Uh, for me, I thought that you know the twist at the end. I think uh, I think that worked really well. You know, the only people I think uh, that would have gotten it were people that actually know how to speak Mandarin. Because <laughs> they weren't doing, they weren't doing subtitles for you. So you were just, right. uh, you're just assuming that, you know, that they were, which, you know, which makes I, me feel racist in retrospect. Yeah, like, oh yes. It kind of does. That does sound like Mandarin. No, no, it, it was not. not. I mean, but I, I have no idea. Like I, I apparently I couldn't pick out, Maybe if I actually heard, you know, it's like I can't remember the last time I heard somebody speaking, you know, in Mandarin. So uh, I think that worked really well to choose something that I'm sure a sure. large percentage of the audience would have no idea. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, I, I I like the sort of the, you know, the reveal that he uh, hadn't really gotten smarter yet at times the way he was talking and stuff. And I suppose if you were paying attention uh, if you went back and looked you'd probably see that the moves he was making on the chessboard were just nothing yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like he wasn't yeah. actually playing chess and uh and and so you know but i'm sure that's stuff that you'd have to have like really been paying close attention to the episode uh to get but yeah overall for me it kind of worked like most of the it's always sunny episodes that i've watched and you know, there were a couple of funny moments, and it worked well on the whole with the big reveal at the end. But throughout, I wasn't like 
you know, there wasn't a lot that I was, uh, you know, laughing about, which tends to be uh, when I do watch uh, It's Always Sunny episodes, it, they tend to be real hit and miss for me. Yeah, I can uh, see that. That that uh, and which is why I don't watch uh, all that often. And uh, I, I, I'm, I guess because for me, more of them end up being a miss. So on the whole, it seems like a waste of time, <laughs> you know, to watch, you know, like 13 episodes where maybe only five of them end up being sure. good. But yeah, I, I just thought it was an interesting thing, considering that uh, from what I understand, for the most part, you know, all these episodes are written by them. You know? <laughs> and so for a whole nother you know, group to come in and, and write an episode. I thought that was just an, I remember hearing about that at the panel at Comic-Con, uh, that there was that episode coming up. I didn't know when it was. Uh, but when I saw that, uh, come across, I thought it'd be, you know, an interesting thing to uh, talk about, but I'd be interested to hear from people out there that do watch. It's always sunny and what they thought of, uh, you know, the game of Thrones writers, uh, what they, what they did with further characters. Yeah, most of the reaction I've seen has been kind of uh, it hasn't been it hasn't been a rave, and I thought they actually the previous episode uh, was a lot better, where they ended up like uh, showing each of their fantasies for how they would respond to a um, uh, uh, a convenience store holdup, which I thought was was pretty brilliant and you know confounded expectations in a lot of ways, and didn't rely on the on the kind of the funny twist at the end. It was just uh, hilarious and absurd throughout. So. Yeah, the um, I thought the Game of Thrones writers, you know, they're okay, but not, you know, <laughs> they obviously didn't have a lot of experience writing comedy, just pure comedy. Well, you know, n- you know, nobody got a hand or a head chopped off or anything in the episode, <laughs> so that I guess <laughs> so a major disappointment yes. for, for me. <laughs> All right, and we'll move on to uh, the next show on the list, uh, Scandal. Uh, we're at uh, season three, uh, episode four. Uh, say hello to my little friend. Is uh, the uh, last episode that's aired, and uh, start with you, uh, Kyle. What do you think of? Uh, oh wait, you don't watch Scandal, do you? <laughs> well, yeah, let's say I stopped watching at episode three of season one. So I mean, okay. how much stuff could possibly yeah. have happened? <laughs> well, actually, a Everything lot. Nothing. Oh, believe me, I didn't recognize. Like, I didn't know any. Like any of the main story that was going on, I couldn't. I can't even remember. Like, I didn't know what was going on. I know, like, suddenly they have this assassin on there <laughs> working for their law firm or whatever. Uh, well, he's that, always been there, but uh... Uh, that part just confused me. I mean, I overall. <laughs> the case itself i thought was kind of interesting although a little predictable how it all played out uh with the senator's wife there but um that's the only part that that i really uh knew what was going on that's too funny i totally forgot that scandal is the one show that on the list that you don't really watch Uh, (laughs) so daniel what did you uh what did you think of uh of this episode of scandal it's always interesting when when shows are like watching our shows react to plot lines that are like sexual harassment related like because there's so much there's so much weight there that like you can't like because if you just say like oh this person's just making everything up then you know viewers like oh it's you know are actual claims made up and so that's you know there's that there's that in that inherent um weight put on those plot lines i I thought it was a decent episode it felt more like something out of uh scandal season one than um the stronger season two they kind of have these epic um ongoing plot lines. So it was, um, I don't know. I, th- I thought it was a, it was a, I guess a middling episode of scandal. 
I think that Scandal will have – if Scandal doesn't actually upset the status quo soon um, in, in kind of a way that's just relatively permanent, I think they will have problems going forward because a lot of the, a lot of this, the things they're doing are kind of repeating the same sort of uh, – I mean they're hitting the same notes over and over again. And you know they're, they're powerful notes. They're you know powerful chords, but not necessarily something that. But they're they're notes that require change, and that's like that's what whenever Olivia monologues, whatever fits monologues, they're monologuing about how things should be different. And if nothing changes, then they become weaker and weaker <laughs> characters, and that becomes and so that's what's kind of happened with Olivia, where because she wants things to change so much, and she's not really able to make them change, she's become kind of a a, a character that's seems less powerful and um, strong as she used to be. But I don't think that, I don't even know, I don't think the show is doing it intentionally because it hasn't really highlighted that powerlessness as much as it could um, if they're really trying to to change Olivia's personality or change her um, influence. Yeah, well, part of the problem I have with the show, I mean, they keep, you know, they keep going with these bigger and bigger conspiracies and stuff like that and the overarching thing. Because that was definitely a big change up from you know where season one started to where it ended and where they picked up with things in season uh, you know season two right. and it it there was there was a big change of the status quo of what this was just you know it looked like it was just going to be this group a different type of procedural with where they were you know working on cases from a PR standpoint you know type of thing right. each week and and stuff. Uh, the thing that's bothered me and with this episode, uh, you know, highlights it again. I guess they're on this trajectory. One of the clips on one of the news programs that Olivia is watching, you know, talks about how, you know, she's not nearly as scary as she used to be uh, type yeah. of thing. Is that right. this episode once again has somebody getting something over on Pope and Associates mm-hmm. in, a, in a similar vein to things they've done before where it, they had like. Uh, you know, early on they had the, what was it? The, was it a governor that had killed his wife and, you know, she had bought into that and then found out that, you know, she was wrong. And there was another one like that. And the thing that's bothering me is that Pope and associates is not this bad as badass as they were in the beginning. And I think that hurts the show in that you want to see, you know, uh, them, not just win, but also be on sort of the right side of things. And uh, while in this case, the guy didn't actually do it and he doesn't go to jail, that works. But yet, you know, the wife gets one over on, you know, they weren't able to figure that out till, you know, it's too late. And they missed, yeah. And they missed an opportunity too, where they're, where they're, um, where they're trying to, they could have like drawn a real contrast between y'all. But so Olivia's trying to counsel this woman who's, you know, who's really devastated that her husband keeps having all these affairs, um, you know, cheating on her. And they didn't seem to be really confront Olivia with the cognitive dissonance of, of like, oh, that's horrible. Your husband cheated on you when she's the mistress in this uh, other relationship. Yeah. And although they did have that great moment with uh, Fitz and Melly where he grabs her hand and yeah. and she's like sort of. It's like wow, and then all of a sudden she gets pissed off because she realizes that it may not actually mean anything, or you know where they've actually, uh, you know, things that have actually gone on. Uh, 
And uh, so that was actually a, a really great moment uh, on on that front. Uh, I also I also like that they gave you know that they had Melly slip up and and sort of get herself in a little bit of trouble. Uh, you know that causes problems. You know for them on a on a bigger scale uh, with the you know the addition of uh, the Lisa Kudrow character. So that that type of stuff works. But I think that they need to figure out a way to get. Pope and Associates back on top where in all this investigation, investigating and things that they do, that they actually are wearing the white hat. You know, they, they are actually finding out what uh, went on and they're not getting, you know, the wool pulled over their eyes on a consistent basis because that's getting old for me. Uh, that, that you can't have this central group that's supposed to be the best at what they do and they continually lose on this huge scale. Well, I'm not like rooting for Pope and Associates. I'm always like actively, <laughs> actively rooting against them. So it always pleases me to see them. I guess to see them uh, humiliated. Um, you know, so maybe they'll they'll stop calling themselves gladiators in suits. Is my uh, my goal for this show? Well, that could that could be interesting too. I guess if they just completely go the other way, uh, right? But uh, if if they're going to continue on, on that, but it it just comes off a little wrong because they're supposed to be great at what they do and and uh, you know and spinning things and finding things out and and all this and while they still do some of that they still end up it's, it just seems too many times in what here we are in in season three uh but given the shortness of season one and everything we're not that far into it it just seems like too many times they end up you know on either the wrong side of things or finding out the i mean because they found out where they think that so and so was part of a conspiracy, but it turns out they were they were wrong there too, and it was somebody else that was making it look like that person was part of the you know was the head yeah. of the conspiracy and and just uh, uh, I don't know it just it just starts to work for me I guess less and less if the central group continues to if they keep portraying them as this great group but they're always wrong but on. On the whole, they sure continue to just spin story like you wouldn't believe <laughs> on this yeah, show. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's a, it's a show that has a lot of things going for it, not the least of which um, I, I, I read uh, Emily Nesbaum of New Yorker comparing uh, Shonda Rhimes to Aaron Sorkin. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a very correct comparison to make because they're, they're very prone to these, these epic, intense monologues. And while, while a lot of them sound the same because they're clearly coming from the same writer, like it's it's a thrill to watch uh, Jeff Perry, who plays the uh, uh, chief of staff, um, deliver one of those monologues because it's it's great television and it's genuinely good television because you have great actors delivering like a really intense monologue and it's a blast to watch. Yeah, it it, it definitely is on on that that scale. They they do have a really good cast and that is able to pull off. Uh, these things that they <laughs> that they have them doing, yeah. and uh, although you you sometimes feel a little scared for Jeff Perry, like that he's going to like have a heart attack. He's going to have a heart attack in the yeah. middle of one of these. Well, he did in the story, so <laughs> well, yeah. I thought that maybe, that maybe he just like actually had a heart attack, like and they just wrote it, it they and they wrote it into, into the it. story. Yeah, <laughs> he was like improvised heart attack. <laughs> okay. And uh, with that, we'll move on to the last show on uh, the list for the primetime segment, which is uh, The Good Wife. Uh, season 5, Episode 5, 
uh, Hitting the Fan, which airs tonight as we're recording this, and uh, is the the sort of the, I don't know, uh, the big episode where... As, it hits uh, the fan. Where where things hit the fan, but the uh, <laughs> yes, as as Daniel mentioned, that sort of needs to happen on on scandal. The uh, the status quo has been uh, severely upset on uh, on the good wife, but I think to good effect, and makes me even more interested to see where they go uh, with this story. Uh, to me, I think just I I love the show. I think they pack more just like interesting story into their for you know 42 minutes uh than than a lot of shows do uh you know the cast is great uh i i just right now of all the of, of all the stuff that there is airing on sunday nights it's the show i i want to see first uh of of all of those and uh just uh i i i really like this whole the way they've set things up uh, this season, and this is sort of uh, now that the, they start the battle for uh, some clients and and what it does to to Will and where it puts him for uh, what he wants to do now with his firm, and just I think a lot of interesting storylines uh, going forward. Uh, but again, the thing that this show does is it sucks you in like right from the beginning. And then when the opening logo comes up and it says the good wife and then it goes off to commercial and you realize that it's 14 minutes, <laughs> you've gone 14 minutes into <laughs> yeah. the episode before you've even gotten the opening. You're just like, man, the show, they, they also do things uh, a little bit differently in how they, in how an episode plays out con- compared to, you know, your standard uh, where things tend to break or, you know, introduce things. And uh, so, Kyle, what did you think of uh, of The Good Wife? I thought this was an excellent hour of television. Uh, I, th- Like you said, th- they definitely need to do this. This has been a long time coming with the whole what's happening. Like, I, I was so excited for this episode as soon as at the end of the previous week when Diane comes in, she's figured it out, out what's really happening. And then you're like, oh, I want to see what's ha- what, what actually goes on. And they just they don't they don't skip a beat. Like they just start firing off and and uh, immediately go and try to find everyone who's who's part of this group and and just start all the firing and the like one they had me fooled with Kalinda. I thought she really did like switch teams there for a while and then she was just using all this information against them. Um, and then the other stuff I uh, like when you think about it way back at the beginning, like the show was just about Alicia, like, will she, her husband cheated on her? What should, will she do? It's become so much more than that, like now in its fifth season. And like, even like Peter, like, like, I love this stuff with him and this, where he also like uses his, his, uh, his stature to threaten Chum Hum, but not directly threaten Chum Hum into like going, going uh, Alicia's way. And then even like Diane, like he won't forgive her. And now he's going to be going after her judgeship. Like, yeah. like every time you think something like is going one way, they start, to, they, they go in another direction. I, well, the, her- yeah. The entire episode is basically lit up by the fires of burning bridges. Cause you know, <laughs> It's basically every, you know, nearly every relationship is like, yeah, it's basically a torture set to, to almost every relationship on the show. Um, 
at least with certain between like certain characters. And, and and I'm just kind of amazed how like if you contrast this with this episode and like last couple of episodes with uh, Mad Men shut the door have a seat, which was almost the exact same plot line. Um, I honestly think the Good Wife did it a lot better <laughs> because it could have been like a it could have been like a one episode twist. It's like okay, let's start our own law firm, and then they do it. And that's like the next episode. It would have been a good like cut to commercial. Oh wow, they don't set the status quo. But they ended up taking you know six different ep- you know six or seven different episodes to set this up and actually have it take place. Um, and in walking us through every step of the process, I think it made for a lot better television than actually just you know blowing that big twist or big status quo change in one uh, in one episode. Yeah. I- I think this show continues to be one of the better shows on on TV, and I think they've definitely righted the ship from where they started out last season with a f- you know a few problems with a couple of storylines that they were doing, and uh, I just think this puts this on you know puts w- Will in an interesting position where he's like you know I I'm now going to just crush everybody you know type of thing yeah. is is an interesting you know storyline there you know what's going to happen with Diane. Is she ultimately gonna like want to come back to the firm? Yeah, I think she, that's where they're headed. Because she yeah. doesn't end up getting the judgeship, you know, and how that works out. I thought it was an interesting storyline in that what had happened between Will and Diane and her getting ousted, but then when she found out what Alicia was up to, you, you were like, "What is she going to do?" You know, there there was a a little bit of play of like, is she going to just keep this to herself and like screw these people that just screwed me type of thing. And, and so, you know, that was an interesting storyline because if she does need, want to come back, like how does that work uh, for, for her to, to come back to, to work with Will again. And, and I, I like the dynamic of, of Carrie and Alicia going out on their own. I like the storyline of, of the group, that's you know now entrenched being pissed off that these people are spinning off even though that's exactly how they started their firm uh yeah that that type of storyline is interesting uh i really liked when when alicia stood up to will (laughs) and at the end of that courtroom scene that she said you know we were just going after some of the dissatisfied you know clients and stuff like that but now we're going after everybody uh i i thought that set things up uh on an interesting front uh just uh so much stuff going on in yeah. in this in this episode and and but yet still continuing a little bit of the storyline of like her daughter you know with the uh, you know the one younger lawyer in there talking to her in the kitchen of uh you know that 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 continuing storyline and and they just they they balance things out really well and like i said i just on sunday nights it's the one show i look forward to more than you know, anything else right now on, on Sunday nights. And it shows, it's a show that it continually shows how to actually do a procedural. And the trick is, is to not make it procedural, to not make it formulaic. Cause they, I mean, they could do a trial and then, you know, kind of have it in, in the same way, but they continually focus on, as opposed to the goal just being to win the trial is they, they focus on some specific loophole or maneuver or, and they clearly tell the audience, okay, this is what has to happen for uh you know the firm to succeed or fail and then they go about trying to trying to prove that little loophole and and in doing so shows the absurdity of the law and also kind of makes it a little fun 
And and even those cases of the week when they have them, uh, yeah. they're not like the the focus of the episode. Like it's really about what's going on with these characters, and then the yeah. the case is just something on the side. It's not. Whereas a normal procedure would be the opposite, where the thing would focus primarily on that case, and then you'd get a little bit of character development. Yeah. Well, sure. sometimes the cases even drive some of the development and some of the relationships and you know, between different people and, you know, what makes them think about things that they're, that are happening in their life right now as compared to what they have to do, you know, to win these cases or, or, or things that are happening in these cases. And then the other thing I like with the cases that they do is that they do a lot of interesting cases. You know, they, they don't touch on your standard, like legal topics, you know, they, when they get into some of these things, you know, like uh, legal cases around, you know, like chum hum and stuff like that, they could get, you know, co- completely technical and weird things. But they 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 take an interesting avenue about, you know, what is uh, it with like, you know, privacy and, and things like this uh, that are, you know, it's not just, you know, murder cases or, you know, things like that. It's uh, there's a lot of interesting topics that they hit on in these cases that also make the proceduralness of it uh, different uh, in that when you are watching the case, they tend to be, the case itself tends to be really interesting because it's not necessarily a topic that you've seen discussed in a TV show uh, like this before. Like the NSA stuff they had last time, I've never seen a show do that kind of stuff before. And I, I kept on wondering if somehow that they were going to use the whole law firm spinning off like that information that they gathered against them to try to get them to do something like threaten them with revealing that like Alicia's right. plans. Well, that's but it's again, it's something, though, that they set up in that episode that's going to come back because things that happened in that episode allowed them to expand their warrant. Uh, yeah, be, you know, right. even though it was just a jilted girlfriend, <laughs> that, you know, that was calling, yeah, that was that was continually calling, obsessively calling and hanging up to the, you know, the boy that had broken up with her, right. uh, you know, even you know that type of stuff uh, is is interesting, and you know that it's that that story is going to pop back up, you know, somewhere down the line, since they can now, you know, listen one one call further type of thing, uh, so. It, you know, just those types of stories that they do uh, on top of it was, uh, and but then like you also said that the the buildup of this season of it taking five episodes uh, from you know to build up to this, uh, them now needing to you know go out even earlier than they had planned uh, on their own, instead of you know at the end of last season you know she says. Yes, and then you find out at the beginning of the season, who, you know who she's talking to or what have you, and then by episode two, you know they're leaving or something like that. Uh, I really like the the stories that they told of like where this put you know Alicia in now that she was a partner and things that she kept getting you know uh, dragged into <laughs> as things went by and how she kept wanting to leave like now. Uh, because it was, uh, it was bothering her, you know, even things like where she stopped decorating her office, which was one of the things that helped, uh, you know, Diane, you know, figure, figure it out. And, uh, just, uh, just a lot going on in an episode 
And when an episode ends, I'm like, I, I want to see, I want to see the next episode. Uh, it, it really is a show that more people, I think, should should be watching. Uh, that, that like you know that like quality storytelling and and uh, but I think again it, you could put it on the list of shows that suffer from a, a poor title that uh, this far in it, it has nothing to do, <laughs> yeah. it has nothing to do with how good a show it is you could put it on you know yeah. on the list with things like Cougar Town or or this year Trophy Wife yeah, <laughs> or, or Terriers and mm-hmm. things like that that. Uh, that you might think uh, that, that give you a, a different idea of what the show might be. And it's hard to convince somebody of what it, it really is and why, why they should be watching it. All right. I think that'll uh, do it for the uh, primetime segment. And uh, if you've got any thoughts out there on the shows that we talked about, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Send us uh, your comments at uh, feedback at TV times com or uh, leave a comment on the show notes. And uh, next up, uh, some TV on DVD releases uh, for Tuesday, November 5th. Uh, a couple of picks. Uh, mine being uh, Seinfeld, the complete set, uh, you know, complete series box set. As you've heard me say on, on the podcast before, the things that I'm interested in rewatching or owning on DVD or, or things of that nature are normally comedies, and Seinfeld would be right up there at the top of the, at the, top of the list. And uh, so, you know, a complete... A complete series of of all of them would be. Uh, I I actually own them all already, so <laughs> it's like. But but this is the first time they. I think they've put them all out in one giant. Uh, in one giant set, so you know if you. And it would it would save you some some shelf space there. It's probably a lot smaller than all the box sets. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's a uh, that's my pick. And uh, Kyle, you had a. Yeah, I had the Doctor Who series one to seven Blu-ray limited edition gift set with Sonic Screwdriver Universal Remote. Oh, there you go. (laughs) It's very expensive, so I'm hoping it drops in price. But this is the first time the first uh, four series will be available on Blu-ray before they're only DVD. So they've up-resed them for this uh, release. I guess it also comes with some other exclusive extras besides the... Yeah, by the first four uh, series, I'm sure you mean like the 26th series through 28. Uh, uh, yes, the first four series starting 2005. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, the only ones I've probably watched. specified. No, yeah. no classic Doctor uh, stuff. But uh, comes with a Sonic Screwdriver remote control, huh? So you can uh, you can uh, change channels by just uh, moving it around and stuff. Apparently so. Yeah, I, you can be. Doesn't work on wood. Well, I've seen I've seen one of those. Uh, for sale someplace just on its own. That I've also seen the uh, the the like Harry Potter magic wand uh, remote control, <laughs> where you can, yeah. depending on how which how you wave it around in in circles or up and down or whatever, it'll change channels or turn the TV on and off. So yeah, uh, some some extra fun to be had with you while watching uh, your uh, your Doctor Who. The, the only thing I found odd was why they didn't just wait like a month for Matt's <laughs> final episode to air and include that in the box set. Like that's a little odd that they wouldn't like, you could have the complete like ninth, 10th and 11th doctors right. box set. Well, I'm, I'm sure it's because they'll get plenty of people to buy this and then they'll put the other out for a ridiculous amount on its own. Yeah. <laughs> and then at some point in time, it'll be included in, in, you know, uh, the next set of of things or something like that, but uh, 
but yeah, that 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 I actually had that thought too. I was like, really? Isn't it just a couple weeks later that they could have added the fiftieth anniversary? Uh, maybe it, maybe it'll be like the uh, uh, the James Bond fiftieth uh, anniversary uh, set where they. They just leave a spot where for they it. left a spot where you could put in the, where you could put the, the Blu-ray of the of the last one that that after it came out. Uh, so is the uh, is the 50th anniversary episode is is it is it a uh, hour long? Is it just an hour long or is it like a, I think uh, it might be an hour and a half. That uh-huh. already has a release date for that Blu-ray. They're actually going to release it in 3D Blu-ray, so I'm anxious oh, for that. Great. <laughs> so we're gonna well, have it'll have like, it'll have 2D as well. Scenes but, and like. <laughs> yeah, I'm interested to. I, I'm just I'm just interested to see how that that works out the that playing that worldwide all at the same time, so nobody gets. <laughs> so if you get spoiled, it's your own fault. Yeah. You, you have your shot. <laughs> that makes sense. I think it's a it's a logical move to because there are people that you know. I think that's the best way to to prevent internet piracy is to have something like that's a big event be immediate, so you have to see it. You can't wait the uh, you know. The 30 minutes that it takes to, you know, after release time to download the episode. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, with that, uh, next week, uh, Amory will be back with me and our guest will be uh, Liz Henderson from uh, NiceGirlsTV.com. And uh, as always, you can find uh, links to the DVDs and uh, news stories we talked about, as well as where you can find uh, Daniel and Kyle online in the show notes at TVTimes3.com slash 201. Uh, Once again, those, the the links to the DVDs are... uh, affiliate links which means we get a small commission which helps uh, support the podcast you get the same deal as if you went to amazon directly uh so you know it's sort of the uh, the win-win-win situation and uh as i mentioned before uh let us know what you think about the shows and topics we covered this week you can uh, always drop us an email at feedback at tvtimes3.com or uh, leave a comment in the show notes and uh, we'll close with uh, the opening and closing music is provided by IODA Promonet. The song is TV Party by the Asylum Street Spankers from their Mercurial title put out by Yellow Dog Records. And uh, once again, Daniel and Kyle, thanks uh, for joining me on the podcast. Have a good night. We sit glued to the TV set all night. And every night. Why go into the outside world at all? It's such a fright. We got nothing better to do than watch TV and have a couple of brews.